Well, good evening, church. It's good to be with you. It's good to gather at this point in the week. Um, and it's, it's good to have the opportunity to share from God's Word with you. Thank you, Pastor Tim, for putting the, the worship guide together for us this evening. Uh, I think with what I'm planning to share, it just, just flows, fits nicely. Um, we gather together this evening to remember. We remember the body of our Savior broken and His blood shed for us as we prepare to take of the elements, as we prepare to, to eat and drink together. And we remember back to that very first Monday Thursday. Monday just comes from the Latin mandatum. Uh, where, where our Savior, prior to His death, He gives the disciples some final instructions as they just read there from John 13. A new commandment He gives to them. He told them that the world would know them. That they would know that they were His disciples by their love for one another. Not, not by their intellect, not by their education, not by their bank account, not by any special skill set, but by their love, their love for one another. Tonight I wanted us to consider, to look at some other words that John recorded for us uh, related to love as we consider our Savior's love for us and the love we as His followers are to have for one another. Uh, if I was to give you a takeaway this evening, I think what we're going to see in these verses is this. That our God took the initiative in demonstrating His love towards us. And therefore, we as His followers demonstrate love for one another because a response to the fact that He first loved us. So if you have your Bible with me this evening, if you'll turn, we're going to look at 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, and I'm going to start in verse 7. If you want to just listen as I read, uh, that's fine. But if you have your, your copy of the Bible and you want to turn there, 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. John writes, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world, so that we might live through Him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. Love originates with God. He's the author. He's the source of love. He is love. And He is loving. The, this passage 
here, these verses I just read, they don't say everything about who God is concerning his nature. We know God to be holy and righteous and just and pure and many other things, many other attributes, right? But his love is an extremely important attribute of his character and likewise an important quality uh, or part of the character of his beloved children. John's making the point here that those born of God and those who know God demonstrate love for one another. And to not demonstrate this love for one another is to indicate that one does not know God. John is making the case here that faith and love go hand in hand. Without faith, there's an absence of Christian love. And the absence of Christian love demonstrates an absence of genuine Christian faith. Here's how Calvin puts it. He says this about these verses. He says, For when anyone separates faith from love, it is the same as though he attempted to take away the heat from the sun. So in a sense, he's just saying it's impossible. Faith and love go together. If you have faith, if you have genuine faith, you will have love. In verse 9, John moves to how this love of God was made manifest in the Son of God. In order to fully understand this, we have to recognize the purpose of the Son being sent. And we know that purpose was so that He, in His perfect life, in His atoning death, and in His glorious resurrection, He would be the one to appease the wrath of God. That's what that word propitiation means, just appeasement, that the Son would be offered uh, fully in accord with the will of the Father uh, to appease God's wrath. So instead of God pouring out His wrath on deserving sinners in His great love for us, even while we were yet sinners, Paul tells us in Romans 5, God poured out His wrath on His undeserving Son. And so it goes, if he demonstrated this great, sacrificial, undeserving love for us, we ought also to demonstrate a similar kind of love, sacrificial love for one another. Verse 12 there is an amazing verse to consider. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Just think about that, that God's love is perfected in us, uh, His beloved children. Not that His love for us or His sacrifice on the cross was lacking in any sense, but we have the privilege and the opportunity now for this love to be perfected in us. And we don't demonstrate this kind of agape, sacrificial love naturally. Uh, this is something that God has to produce. He has to generate in us. Verse 10 there is clear. And this is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us. And now, empowered by the Spirit of Christ, we're able to demonstrate this same kind of love for one another. It's something that the Spirit of God produces in us. Let's continue there in, in verse 13 and we'll read all the way to the end of this chapter. 
By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father sent his son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. As the love of God is perfected in us, we have confidence as we await the day of judgment. When Christ returns, he's going to return as judge. There's going to be a separation between the righteous and the wicked. And the love we extend to one another now, it gives us a sense of confidence. It gives us assurance that we will be those who stand with the righteous as those who've received the very righteousness of Christ. We don't have to fear. Perfect love, this love that's being perfected in us, casts out fear. This fear John's talking about here, it's not the same thing. You, you may recall at the beginning of Proverbs, the verse there, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or, or the fear of the Lord being the beginning of wisdom. He's not talking here about reverence. He's talking about the fear of eternal punishment and genuine faith in Christ. The love of God being perfected in us, it removes this fear. It removes the fear of judgment and punishment. And genuine faith uh, in this love, the love of God, it is being perfected in us. And then in verse 19, I think as I was reading and thinking about this tonight, this just kind of stood out to me the most. And, and my note in the ESV study Bible just really caught me. Um, John, again, answers the question or he's making the case. Why? Why do the beloved children of God love? We love because he first loved us. It's a response to his love for us. We cannot love apart from his love. The ESV on, on verse 19 says this. The study Bible note says, God's love always takes the initiative. And the love of Christians is a response to that love. God's love always takes the, the initiative. And the love of Christians is a response to that love. It's this overflow when we realize and embrace the great love He has for us. Divine love is not something in our own power and strength that we can generate. 
But it is something that depending on him and clinging to him by faith that he can produce in us. Again, his love always takes the initiative. Before the foundation of the world, God existed in perfect community with himself and he took the initiative in creation. God took the initiative to clothe Adam and Eve after they had sinned in the garden. God took the initiative at the incarnation. Jesus did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men. Jesus took the initiative when he washed the feet of his disciples. Peter was resistant, but Jesus insisted. And Jesus took the initiative as he headed towards Calvary. Fully in control, fully human, and yet fully submissive to the will of his fathers. All these examples of God's initiating love culminate in the cross. We believe Jesus to be both fully human and fully divine. Just prior to the cross, his humanity is on full display there as he prays to the Father, Father, if you are willing, if you're willing, Please remove, take this cup from me. And thankfully, we know that is followed by the words, Yet not my will, but yours be done. God took the initiative in drawing us to himself. Paul tells us in Ephesians 1, Before the foundation of the world. And now by the power of the Spirit of Christ at work within us, He takes the initiative in moving and working in our hearts, causing us to demonstrate this kind of sacrificial love for one another. God's love is a love that originates in Himself. It's a love that is manifested in His Son and a love that is now perfected in His people. As the Father loves and as the Son loves, so now also, empowered by the Spirit of God, we too love. And this love, it confuses a watching world. They don't get it. It doesn't make sense because it is supernatural. The question for us this evening is pretty obvious and straightforward. What is our response to this initiating love of God? This great love he has for us that would allow his son to be nailed to a cross. And the son's love that though fully capable of coming down from the cross remained. Remained even to the point of death until he could cry out right before his death. It is finished. We imitate our savior when we demonstrate love for our enemies and sacrificial love for one another. What does this look like for you? What does this look like for me? What does this look like for our community? As we consider his body broken and his blood shed, consider his love for you and his love for me. And let us eat and let us drink and let us remember the great love he has for us. That even while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Let's pray.